All right, guys, welcome back to the 50th episode of the Pursuit of Property podcast. Today, we are joined by Enrique Perez and Veronica Torres Luna. Mm -hmm. Sometimes a mouthful. <laughs> but we are here today to talk about your guys' experience. You guys have bought some rental properties out in South Bend, mm -hmm. and your realtor's here in town, mm -hmm. salesperson here in town. You guys have a lot of things in common with us, and we wanted to have you guys on and hear about your story. Well, thank you so much for having us over. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I just want to start the podcast by saying that Veronica actually bought us these mugs that are up on our shelves when she was out and about. She saw the early bird and she had said she'd been listening and thought of us. So we had thought about having you on for a long time. Um, that was a really cool experience and it was awesome. We started the podcast with the full intent of talking to people like you who do what we want to do and, you know, who are honestly doing it better than us yeah <laughs> and uh, getting to learn from people like you guys so we're glad you're here today coffee with the early birds Absolutely, <laughs> i love it so real quick why don't you guys just tell us a little bit about yourselves i know even us we don't really know too much other than what you know interaction we've had already so why don't you tell us a little bit about yourselves what you guys do and then we'll take a deep dive into some of the stuff you're doing out of state okay sounds good well, um, I was born in Mexico. I moved in 1999 to uh, the first day when I came to this country was then Illinois. And then in 2005, to late 2004, we moved to California because she grew up and my wife grew up here in, um, in the valley. Uh, we came here and then since then we've been working together, trying to accomplish goals. And as you can tell, English is my second language, so I am not very fluent on it. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. But yeah, it's, it's basically we've been in up and downs together. And mm -hmm. then when, when she sees opportunities, like she got the real estate license and then she started looking fall in love with every property that she sees. Uh, ah, I like this property and I like this one. I like, you, you, love, you love all of them. Yeah. So once she found opportunity in South Bend, she, 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 she told me about it and then said, well, let's do it. Let's learn about it. Yeah. <laughs> because it's a, it's a, we are in a learning process. So we're yeah. here. Yeah, that's basically it. Uh, you said you started in Illinois? Yeah, I, I uh, moved to Illinois. It was the first state where I moved to, from Mexico. And I was doing, uh, I was a dishwasher having two jobs and, mm -hmm. and then went to, uh, in the night to adult school to learn English. And really? Yeah. So it's, it's been tough. Uh, but we're here. <laughs> yeah. So you've got a really good work ethic. You, so you came here, you started working in the day as a dishwasher, taking English classes. Then you guys move out here yeah. and you kind of rotated into sales. Yeah. Well. I was working in the car industry as a uh, car detailing and then painting cars and then learning more about uh, car industry. And then I got my GD and then I, she, when she was working in a radio station, I got into a radio station too mm -hmm. as a volunteer in Radio Bilingue. I have a radio show on Thursdays. Um, this helped me to be better with the microphones. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. And, um, and then uh, she, say hey let's let's get continue with the education uh -huh. so i got my g my gd the the plan was to for me to go back to college and start getting something in college but i told her hey you go back to college because you're way ahead of me if i go back to to continue with my education i have to start since uh, kindergarten learning yeah. abcs and <laughs> yeah. colors and stuff because english <laughs> is my second language so uh, it was a process too when she was in the college she was a uh, full-time schools uh full-time school student and she was having a full-time job and full-time mom and wife uh, yeah she deserved a lot of credit for that <laughs> that's yeah. awesome mm -hmm. 
So what was your story? You started here in the Valley, and then did you end up in Illinois too? Yep, I ended up in Illinois in 2000, 2001. That's how I met him, but we decided to come back to the Valley. So one of the things I always see, like for example, when California is starting to approve like the ADUs, I see how far behind we are in comparison to other states. Mm-hmm. So when I look at those huge mansions that have um, are starting to get converted into ADUs to different ones, I look at back, um, going back like to Aurora, Illinois, where they already converted them. Mm-hmm. So I kind of go back and forth as to what other th- um, states did already and how far behind we are. But um, yeah, I did start that. And then we came back to California to get everything going. Okay. And when did you move into the real estate industry? Were you uh, selling real estate in Illinois? No, no. I was just in love with it um, because it's one of those things that growing up, I grew up in apartments and I was thought, what is it to have your own house? So I would follow real estate prices, what people would do. How is it that they would convert them? How is it that they would do one thing and the other? But I did not come into real estate until about five years ago. So I'm right along your lines because i know you guys are right there and yeah. the idea of investing in it um, south bend came from copying you guys and what you guys did oh see <laughs> well that's awesome to hear but you had some experience on that side of the country already you had already lived out there for a period of time and kind of knew what you were looking at huh yes i kind of knew what we were looking at but i really didn't know what the prices looked like mm-hmm. so i knew it was doable i knew that everything was a little bit more affordable and how things work but um, I want to say maybe about three, three years ago, my dad got real sick and we needed to buy a property for him to live in. And we ended up buying, um, two acres, two houses for about 125,000 cash, 120. In yes. In Reedley. Wow. And that's where everything went into. And it's one of those things that you start a project, you see it from beginning to end. It's like, okay, I need to do this again. What do I do? Mm-hmm. It just happens to be that around that time, you guys bought those five properties out in South Bend. Mm-hmm. So it's okay. Now I know what we're doing. So let's start this process all over again. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. So started in real estate five years ago. Did you start with getting your license or did you start interested in the investing side? How did you, was that your first kind of introduction into the investing side and was all your experience just strictly agent helping people buy and sell? Or how was that Mm-hmm. transition kind of happened for you so the first thing we do is i get my license and then i start the home buying process mm-hmm. it's strictly buyers and then afterwards we buy that property we start fixing it up and then from what i had learned from investors i knew more or less what to do but also mm-hmm. looking at other people work like for example when i bought my house maybe about four years ago we saw that new subdivision built and then one of the things i learned is you have your general contractor but that general contractor he will call an electrician, he will call a roofer, he will call the specialty of the trade, mm-hmm. meaning do not hire a handyman. And that's how I kind of put everything together. So by learning how other people work and learning how new um, general contractors do it in a new subdivision, we were able to place those ideas and skills into renovating the property we bought out in Reedley. Huh. Mm-hmm. So you kind of, you learned as you went just through visuals. Yes. And did you say that you had gotten your contractor's license? No, I only have my uh, home improvement salesperson. Okay. 
Uh, yeah, it was for another company. But, uh, okay. Yeah, it, it was funny the way that she said because it, it looks like she was the, the supervisor because uh, <laughs> like, like two, two, two houses down there, they were <laughs> building a house and she was standing up there. Say, she was checking who was doing the cement. He was checking who is the electrician. She was asking, <laughs> hey, do you, do, do you have a license for this? Uh, so is the way that you're learning uh -huh. the process and, and the way that, that you're exposed to this type right. of, of projects? Yeah. Right. So it was funny. O also, um, something funny that we didn't have any experience about real estate, but we didn't watch any kind of TV shows or anything. But we were watching in the morning, like those houses for sale all the time. I, oh, look at this. What this was. So that was your entertainment. That, yeah. So <laughs> we found out of, of properties. Uh, we, we were thinking of dreaming about one day we're going to have houses and rent them or, or yeah. sell them, things like that. So. Yeah. So you, so you guys both bought the, the two acres with two homes mm -hmm. and that project went really well. Mm -hmm. Were you on the same page right away? You guys just both wanted to buy more real estate or did you think maybe there was a head, like a hiccup or how did that look? So we were, we knew we wanted to do something else, but here in California, it's so expensive. So it's like, what do we do? Where mm. can we maximize our money? So that's when we start looking at what are the other options. And I look at, well, maybe in other areas, I can buy a house for 30,000. Maybe I can put 10,000. Mm -hmm. And from what I had looked at the other projects, I knew a roof was gonna cost me about 6,000. So more or less, you have an idea of what's gonna go into. That's when we start looking and then focus in other cities. And that's when we say, you know what? Going out of state, mm. this is what we're going to do. Mm -hmm. And I'm not gonna hire a general contractor because that general contractor is going to be charging me an arm and a leg what if I do the legwork and what if I hire the person who's going to do the painting? I hire mm. the person who's going to do the electrical because literally all this guy did, the general contractor, and I'm not saying in all cases, he would stand and he would watch him work. <laughs> well, maybe I can make my own mistakes and learn and maybe lose money that way or win money that way. So that's how we ended <laughs> up doing it. Gotcha. And you, you clearly love to watch it and like learn about it and now you're doing it. Mm -hmm. So it's working for you. Mm hmm so you wrap up with this house over in Reedley. Mm -hmm. When, in the timeline here, when do you guys first look out of state and when do you f make the first purchase out of state? I don't remember the time frames because it's one of those things that because we came out of the area, mm -hmm. I have always been looking throughout the United States. So it's not something that I decided to do maybe four months ago. One of the things about me, it's I'm a very, very slow action taker. And to I know exactly what I'm doing and I studied everything, I'll do it. But um, from when we bought that property, I want to say maybe a year later, that's when we actually took action. We bought four properties. Um, it was both, no, all four properties were two bedroom, one bath. So we, that's when we bought the first one. And we didn't look at them. Um, we didn't even walk them. We just bought them off based on pictures. And in South Bend. In South Bend. So we bought them blindsided. We knew they were there, maybe, or maybe they got burned. <laughs> but <laughs> we bought those four properties and we fixed them up. And then we ended up buying another one that taught me a lot, a lot of good stuff. Well, let's talk about those four first. What were... I mean, let's talk about the numbers a little bit. So those four, how did you find them first? I, were MLS, off-market, an agent... <laughs> We bought them off Craigslist. No oh my way. God. <laughs> yeah, we bought so them you, off Craigslist. Walk us through how you figured that out. So I'm looking at houses and I know we have a budget, maybe about a hundred grand. And that hundred grand that we have, we do not want, 
we do not want um, to spend any more than that, but we also want a good return. And so as I'm looking at it, our cap rate, it's saying it's gonna give us a 13% cap rate. It looks too good to be true, but the only way to find out is actually to go in there. And so I contact the owner, he says, yes, let's do it. And one of the things I know, if it goes to the title company, it's legal, that's all I know. I get pictures. So we go into escrow and we pull. We have to pull money out of the property we bought in Rately in order to make it happen. We do our refinance and everything that can go wrong goes wrong. Because of course COVID hits, there's a shortage of appraisals. Not only that, we have a unique property that any appraiser will tell you they don't like two acres mm -hmm. and two houses. So we cannot find an appraiser out there. But we go into escrow without having the money and this guy's about to cancel on us because we cannot close our deal. Mm. So at that point, I had to go to one of our friends and I go in and tell him, listen, I need to borrow 95,000, but you cannot run my credit. You cannot put a lien against my name and I just need good faith. And oh he says, gosh. you guys know who it is. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. What do I need? So I tell him about the property. He says, you know what? Sounds good. Here's 95,000. Just like that. And we were able to close on them. How did you meet this person? I never heard this story. Jason? Yeah. Okay, so Jason, I know him about maybe five years ago. Um, we met um, in the Keller Williams office. And there's a guy called Henry. Henry runs the investment groups. And Jason would come in and he would give all these ideas and what he was doing. But Jason always says, it doesn't matter how many groups you go to. It doesn't matter how many meetings you go to until you take action. You can have all the knowledge in the world, but until you actually start making mistakes, that's when things are going to happen. And I'm scared because I tell my husband, we have kids. We have to pay the um, college for the kids. What happens if we mess it up? He tells me, well, if we mess up and we lose the money, we can still go at it and continue working. That's the worst thing that can happen. So thinking about what Jason says, mm -hmm. thinking about what my husband says, what's the worst thing that can happen? You lose it all, you start again, but it's mm -hmm. only money. And that comes back to your work ethic. I mean, it sounded like from the start, you've had a very strong work ethic and that you were working two jobs and going to school and that, you know, that helped you. Well, the way that I see life is a learning process all the time. So it's not losing, it's learning. Mm -hmm. So if you, if something like that is going to stop you, you never, never are going to learn and grow. So you have to learn and grow. So of course it's a risky, but life is risky all the time. Yeah. So it's the way it's that a good I point. see it. Yeah. It's the way that I see it. So I, we as a humans always take risk, like, you have to learn how to walk. You mm -hmm. have to fall a few times. And, and the way, you know, not because you fall a few times, you're going to, oh, no, I don't want to walk anymore. So it's, it's the human. It's, the, it's part of the humans. Le learn. Mm -hmm. You have to fall and learn. And don't, don't let it happen again. So Wow. Mm -hmm. it, I mean, it's very simple, but it's a profound thought to think about it, especially in our business, that if you fail, it's like you said, it's just money. You can earn it again and mm -hmm. you learn from it and don't let it happen again and try again mm -hmm. so going back you you end up getting the private money mm -hmm. from a past relationship that you've developed over years yep he gives you the money to, and and you close on the deals yes we close on the deals and we rent them out at 600 each but at that point i was thinking you know what it's a good return okay okay i'm gonna fast forward right now okay back to where we're at 2022 when i first bought the properties we thought $600 was a good return. Bottom line, at the end of the day, the relationship we had with the property management had to come to an end because the property, properties were not being managed well. Now I come to know that 
we go back to the drawing board and we're renting those same properties now at 800 and 825. Wow. So actually we were getting less because she was playing it safe where we should have, mm. but it's also my fault because we should have studied the market a little bit better in mm. terms of rent and return on investment. Yeah, we're closer. We have between 600 and 900, you know, our fully fixed units. We just got one for nine. So that eight to 825, I mean, that's right at market rent. Mm -hmm. And think about it, $20,000 for a unit, two bedroom, one bath. To be able to rent it out at 800, where can you do that? Nowhere. Well, a couple places. Not here. Not, <laughs> but not here. Not yeah. Here California, no. So when you guys closed on those, did they need a lot of work? Did you close on them and immediately rent them all out at 600? Were they vacant? Did you guys put a little money into them before? Or have you guys slowly been doing that? Or how's it been going for those? So we buy them. Um, two of them, uh, we knew they needed work because they had just picked up everything and left. Mm -hmm. So we go in there and then the first thing you ask, do I want to change out the flooring each time somebody goes, somebody leaves? Or do I want to do an investment right now up front and knowing that flooring is going to last forever? So at that point, you decide carpet, laminate, tile. What do you do? But you also need to consider we're not in California, so tile is not going to work. So you do laminate because that's what's going to work in the longer run. So in one property, we go in there thinking it's fully renovated or we're going to fully renovate. But no, we meant only because of lack of money. We only did about $5,000. But mm -hmm. that's newer paint, newer flooring. And of course, the trash out and cabinets because cabinets were pretty messed up. Okay. And then in the other property, it was completely getting rid of the um, trash that was there, putting new in flooring, newer cabinets, but also it came with rats. And mm -hmm. so those are one of the risks that you don't know when you're buying with a Craigslist mm -hmm. because they're not going to tell you everything that's going on. And so my husband and I look at each other and says, that's why the tenants left. Who wants to live with rats? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So yes, money comes involved. Um, when you're buying a property because you don't know everything that's going to come into it. And in the last year, I want to say we put in maybe four new roofs. Yeah, wow. four new roofs because, yes, we got them at a very, very good price. Yes, we got them with tenants. But because you're buying off for sale by owner, you're not getting the full details. Kate and I are going to open up a little here. Go for it. This morning, we found out we need to put a new roof on a property. And see, I got your contact. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So, you know, we, uh, we're we dealing with some similar stuff. You know, it's I, I want to know how have you guys handled, um, you know, the repair process and all the unexpected things that come up? I mean, has that been a challenge for you? You guys seem like you handle the world so it, it's i seem like maybe it just kind of rolls over and you know it's water under the bridge but you tell me i'm going to tell you a funny story so i call one of the real or one of the um, investors out there and just trying to build those relationships i tell yeah. him hey um i'm veronica this is what i'm trying to do and he tells me well let me throw a number out there and he sends me somebody that can help me out at the end of the day that person who he sent that was trying to help us out he wasn't trying to help us out. Ended up stealing everything that we had in the renovation of the house. Oh. <laughs> so bottom line is, make sure you do your homework and not everyone's out there to give you a hand. Maybe they see you as a competition and all of a sudden mm -hmm. they send them send to someone who did you wrong. But the other ones, I have to say, there's great, great people in South Bend that have really, really helped us out. And like just like my husband said, I was the supervisor when that new subdivision was being built. It's exactly the same thing, but it's foot's off the ground. What does mm -hmm. that mean? 
hey, walk me through what you're doing and that way I can see what needs to get done. And it's not necessarily walk me through what you're doing. As they're doing the video, you're looking, okay, you know what? That window's broken. Or you know what? That tile needs to get fixed. And you're looking for the other things that that person doing the video for you, they don't realize that they are helping you out. Because they're looking, so maybe your your guy that was doing the flooring accidentally shows the windows. Exactly. And the guy doing the windows might show the bathroom. The bathroom guy is showing you. Yes, but the other thing I learned along the way, and my husband tells me this too, you have to be very, very careful who your partner is when you're doing all this. What do I mean? Your property manager. Either your help property manager can help you build that business or they can break you. So depending on how knowledgeable they are, Mm-hmm. But sometimes it's not even the knowledge. It's how much they're willing to learn. They can be a newbie. And if they're willing to put in the work and teach themselves everything, they can be the best property managers. But on the other hand, they can have all the experience in the world. And if they don't want to work, they can be the worst property managers. Gotcha. Yeah. So you guys had to cut ties with your original property manager, mm-hmm. right? But you guys are now with a new property manager. Exactly. Okay, perfect. So you're not self-managing anything, but you've got the new property manager manager out there that's helping you guys run those things. It depends because uh-huh. I want to know my numbers just in case anything were to happen. So for example, if you told me a brand new roof right now on six or 700 square foot house, I'll be able to put that and point it out exactly what is it that we need. And so I also want to know the numbers because if somebody were to quote me, I want to know, is that right or is that wrong? Mm-hmm. Ballpark, so, what do you think that would be? So it depends. Are you going with the 20 or 30 or 50 year roof? And what type of material but i would say that for something like that you shouldn't pay any more than seven thousand five hundred fifty year hmm? thank you is there a way that we <laughs> yeah thank you <laughs> we're learning it's a, it's a learning process yeah because we made mistakes uh, hiring people that they are not honest really and i uh, say well it's a good thing. It's, it was cheap to eliminate that people. Yeah. <laughs> it's the you, cheapest way to eliminate. And you do a lot in the home improvement world. So, I mean, has that helped you guys with the rentals and understanding, oh, this is what needs to get done or this not? Or is it very different because California's weather versus over there? It's similar. There's similarities. That, like as she mentioned, that if you have um, – a person in the middle, like uh, with a license and stuff, of course, it's going to be, you're going to end up paying more, way more mm-hmm. because just because of the license. But if you have the, the person with sub, the, the person with the license or, or the contractor is going to subcontract other people right. like electricians or plumbing and stuff like that. So why don't you go directly to these people? Right. Yeah. So it's, it's similar. It's, it's the same thing here. If if um, if you are working with a contractor that has the license, of course, it's, it's their name and the license at the end of the day. Um, so you as a customer, you, you're going to see, oh, this company is good. But if you can cut this, you can save a lot of money, too. And okay. the improvements here. Here or there is the same concept. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. And for your guys, when you guys were doing work or when you guys are doing work in these rentals, are you guys having your property manager also run the project or are they completely separate and you guys are running the project it depends on what property we're looking at but i like to run the project Mm -hmm. because i like to learn i like to know what's going on yeah and it gives me an idea for the next project because it makes it that much easier so um they'll she'll give me estimates but if i see they're too high i will go out there and do my own work have you been out to south bend yet never so you've done all of this without putting your feet in Indiana. That is correct. Wow. We are we are 
peasants. <laughs> so I love it. When we bought, we flew out there. I saw you guys. Yeah. And we had a great time. We've gone twice. One time was more like we ended up going and going on Notre Dame's football field and stuff like that. But the first time we went out was kind of an eye opener for us. How did you guys get all of your information for like the rats and all that? How did you establish all that? Have you been doing this all on just phone call or Zoom or FaceTime? What have you been doing? So Facebook is a great friend, but it's also the internet, but also building those relationships. Mm -hmm. And like my husband said, it's an elimination process. Right. Who don't you want to work with? You start by reviews and then one bad review I understand, two maybe, but when you have six or seven, that's a big red flag. Gotcha. So it's Facebook, it's those um, relationships that you build along the way, but it's also the yellow pages that kind of helps you build and put everything uh -huh. together. Mm -hmm. Wow. And do you guys, how do you split it up? Do you, do you guys do different things or do you both help out um, with everything? No, she took care of everything. <laughs> <laughs> she just she just told me what to do and say, okay, we're gonna do this, or we're trying to figure it out, or mm -hmm. have a have an, uh, um, maybe a plan together. But she's the one making phone calls, and she's the one having you know contact people and mm -hmm. stressing out. I'm just surprised. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> things going on, but yeah, it is it is a, it is a process of elimination. So as she said, you can see red flags. One of the red flags is when they ask for money at front. Yes. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. when they ask for money at front, uh, uh, and they no said, no, no, <laughs> you first do your job and then we are going to send me your proposal. And then uh, I, if I am agreed, we can communicate and then we pay for it. But if they ask for money at front, uh, no, no. <laughs> Another no, red no. flag that many people don't think about it but it's truly, it's red flag. If you give them a call once, no call return. If you give them a call twice, three times, what's going on that they're not returning the call and you have not even started working with them. What's gonna happen when you're in the middle of the project and you're giving them a call and blowing up their phone and they're not returning? You should have seen those red flags at the beginning. So pay attention to your gut, listen to those red flags. So a couple so far that you mentioned was the reviews, mm -hmm. like if more than two or three, that's a big sign asking for money up front, and then also communication issues. What else have you seen? If you've never been out there, you guys have to have experienced a lot of, uh, I would say like heartbreak, but you know, you know, learning lessons. Are there any other big ones that you guys could share? Maybe to um, when they are not, when, when they say I'm gonna be there at 10 and there is 11 and there's no show. So we are just starting a relationship and you are not on time. So why did you tell me this is going to be done? by two weeks and then it's going to be three weeks and you are not done so so it's, that's an important thing that okay it's a if he is not on time just to get there on time for you so i don't think it's going to be on time for the rest of the project mm -hmm. gotcha yeah those are all good and um i want to go a little bit back to so you guys first were planning on taking the refinance money from that house in reedley mm -hmm. to go and buy these houses mm -hmm. And was the original plan to use that refinance money and just own those rentals outright? Was that the original plan? Well, yes, it was. Okay. That's, that was the plan. Mm -hmm. But here's the thing about real estate. It's like an addiction. Because you start with one and then all of a sudden, and then you're in real estate too. If you have nothing going on in real estate, I can have four deals going on. But if I have nothing else going on, then all of a sudden I get anxious. What do I do? And that's when you start looking for another rental and then you start looking for another rental. But then if those rentals are already taken care of or your property manager is doing well, 
you need something else to do. So that's when the addiction comes in. Yeah, it's a dopamine hit. <laughs> it is. So it is. you mentioned earlier that you bought the first properties and it kind of went how you expected to a degree. And then you bought another one and that one had a lot of learning lessons. Yes. What happened there? You guys have to go into the internet and look at this property. It's 1321 Elwood in South Bend, Indiana. We bought it for 19000 And when anybody looks at this property, it's like, why would you buy it? And it would be something similar here in Fresno, like for a hundred grand. But it had all the trash in there. Um, we had to go in there, fix the walls because they were um, cracked. The drywall was cracked. It had a lot of trash. We had to put in all new electrical, a brand new roof, brand new flooring. Um, at this time, we were pretty broke. So it's like, nope, we are not putting new tile. We're just gonna resurface it. Because at that point, you start learning where can I save money? I already have new electrical, all drywall has been fixed, what do I do? So that's when we start doing cutting corners, saving money. But it still looks great. Mm -hmm. And so that was the one that taught us the most. Why? For California standards, it's still a very cheap house. It's still a very good house and it's practically rebuilt brand new. We had what, all in 48,000? All in, it's all 48,000. Mind you, we bought it at 18, 19,000. So the rest was just work. Brand new roof, brand new central heating and air, brand new flooring, everything else. But to South Bend standards, we overpaid for that house. How much did we overpay? I want to say maybe about 15. So you're, you feel like you, you're 15,000 more than what you should be to have the same property? Possibly. And but I say possibly because we added a new brand new ac could we have bought the same house maybe with an ac where we didn't have to go in and do the work but we did redo the entire electrical so it's like possibly mm -hmm. so i'm not that upset but i do know kind of that we overpaid okay and your model is that you guys buy the properties with your savings your cash and then you just rent them out and you take home all of that profit is that right well, here's the thing. You don't see profit right away. Oh, oh. <laughs> yeah. Surprise. <Yeah. laughs> you don't see profit. Uh -oh. So what is what did that look like for you guys? Uh, this, this is a fun project. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> we are we are paying for uh, learning experience, I guess. Yep. Teachable moments. <laughs> yeah, we, we know that feeling very well. We've shared some of our numbers and um, we were just talking today. Gosh, some properties turned out great and they were pretty profitable from the start. And some of the ones we bought were not. Exactly. And the mm -hmm. ones that are not eat up the profit of the ones that were. Yes. And mm -hmm. you know what? I learned this from another one of our friends. You call those property alligator properties. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so what are you guys going to do about them? So right now, because we still feel we bought them at a very good price and we know what needs to get it done, we're going to fix that issue. Because okay. practically those houses are rebuilt, they're brand new, and we know all we need to do now is come in, in there and redo the plumbing. So at that point, if they do not continue to produce, you cut them loose. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. But and you do not see profit right away. Sorry to cut you off. No, yeah, definitely not. Definitely not right away. Um, those four that you had on the private money that for those first four. Mm -hmm. Now, what is your guys's plan with that private money? Have you guys refinanced to pay off that private money? Are you guys still just on that private money oh, no. right now? We paid Jason right away within about five days because we were able to finally work out with the refinance. Gotcha. So where my parents are living, 
my parents live in one house, the other house rented out. Mm -hmm. So that property pays itself for the other properties we bought. Wow. Yeah. So those are fully paid off. That is awesome. Mm -hmm. So at this point, you have one, two, three, four, five. So you have six total properties? No. Hold on. Four, one, two, one. How much? Five. Eight. Eight, eight properties out there. See, so you forget, <laughs> right? So you you said you grew up in an apartment. Mm -hmm. You didn't have a house growing up. Correct. And here you are now. You have eight properties. I know that you're not going to stop at eight. I mean, how has that changed your life? You do it for other reasons. You do it because if I have a hundred dollars in the bank, those hundred dollars are not going to take you anywhere. And I don't want a brand new car. But at the same time, the way I look at it, and I see it in real estate all the all, all the time. I do not want to end up at 80 or 70 working in real estate, but I do also do not want to end up in social security because I know it's not going to be enough. So while the thing we joked about right now that they're not producing money now, yes, they're not producing money now, but when we retire, we know that money's coming in mm. drop by drop. But there's also another gratification that I get from this and it just brings chills when I hear it. We just rented it out to a good family. Um, we just had a family who was off in the streets and we were able to get them in so it's not always about the money it's also the gratifications you get with it and it's savings in the long run so what does it look mm. like this year i know it's a short goal but i want to have two more debt free that means a whole lot more work but also it's also a lot of fun doing them mm -hmm. so you want to buy two more properties debt free this year mm -hmm. wow and i know it's not the model that everyone follows but i always say do what's comfortable for you and like for us, we have kids that we're no, we know we're going to pay college for. Mm -hmm. So it's one of those things that do we really want to put everything in steroids and risking it all? If you ask my husband, it's just money. But if you ask me, then I also think, no, it's a kid's college. <laughs> <laughs> and one size doesn't fit all. Whereas some people go the route of expanding to, you know, a thousand rentals. Other people might want, you know, 20 rentals that they own debt free. The cash flow might be very similar. Yes. And, you know, when you own it debt free, I've had a lot of investors tell me that the feeling that you have owning that house, knowing you don't owe anybody else it's is, is very different than what I experience when I get my rent in. And I know right away, you know, 30% of that is going straight to paying somebody else. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The only thing that I, the way that I see it, uh, the way that I always told my wife is that money in the bank is not the best decision. Mm -hmm. So at least I know I have something that I can see <laughs> if something happened, I see those houses is right there. Mm -hmm. But because money in the bank, I don't know, with this inflation and everything at the end of the day is not gonna worth the same thing. It's gotcha. losing power. So that's why I rather to have and now when she complains about oh now we have to put the new a new roof. It's, it's you, you are you are going to invest because eventually for a few years, they don't want to ask for another roof. You're not going to invest in, in a roof every mm -hmm. year. So right. it's going to last at least 20, 30 years a roof. And then right now, as she mentioned, we start renting those houses for 600. Now they are 800. So because it has all this, you are investing. So you don't, if you see it the way that, that you're wasting time, you're not wasting time or money. You are investing in something that in long run is going to return. That's the way that I see it. Yeah. Yeah, instead of having it in the bank, you're putting it in an income-producing asset for exactly what we're saying. Right now, it may feel, you know, 
hard and it may feel stressful and everything that they're not paying you not doing a good job right but exactly what you're saying down the road when it really counts that's where you're going to see the fruits of your labor start to come in and feel comfortable and not have to worry and not have to stress Mm -hmm. right so you guys have got the eight out in South Bend, mm-hmm. obviously not all in South Bend. Southern California. No, so, all in South Bend. That's all in South Bend. Yeah. Mm-hmm. See, mm-hmm. <laughs> we we got some professionals across <laughs> from us, man. No, we got no. some professionals. I love I'm, it. I'm telling I, you. I love it. <laughs> no, I I really do think that every time it's a learning experience. Every time something different. So even though I think you know what, maybe Elwood taught me a lot. And then all of a sudden you walk into something different. No, I, I, I don't know anything because all of a sudden you have to start learning based on the situation. So it changes all the time. And well, yeah, yeah go, go ahead. I was going to say, so those eight are all out in South Bend. Mm-hmm. Obviously, first date when you came over here was Illinois and you had, you know, lived in Illinois and stuff like this are for now. Are you guys thinking kind of build up? Uh, like your South Bend presence? Have you guys looked anywhere else or are you kind of wanting to stick to South Bend? No, I have looked at other places. I don't like the return on investment that it's that would it give us. Mm-hmm. I've looked at other places, but the population's not there. The growth is not there. Um, it's There's so very dead towns. And it's, do we really want something that it's more towards quiet side, that it's not... A, if, what's the word in English? Evolutionating. It's not. It's not um, mm-hmm. growing as fast. Mm-hmm. No. And so, I've considered others, but I don't see them as profitable right mm. now. I, I will attest. I've had similar thoughts, and we've talked about markets. And I said, we're kind of spoiled with some of our South Bend stuff mm-hmm. because it's unreplicable. Mm-hmm. You know, there's just not houses with the same price, same rent in a lot of parts of the country. Mm-hmm. Um. One of the reasons we want to have you on this podcast is because this is our 50th. So it's it's kind of a a milestone for us. And we started the podcast because we wanted to see people. uh, We wanted to teach people what we're learning and hopefully they can take action too. You're somebody who's taken massive action and you've blown us out of the water. Now we're has-beens. But (laughs) I'm I'm curious uh, if you were running a podcast and you were trying to teach people yourself. I mean, what would you tell people who are sitting watching this youtube right now or listening to the podcast like what are some of the things that you've learned that you wish that they would maybe do i would say the first step that that any person would or should take is buy the first property if stop renting buy your first property because it's going to be leveraged eventually it's gonna you can refinance it and then you can buy a property somewhere else or invest it in something else but if you are thinking that you're going to buy a property when the market goes down and you're going to buy a cheap house. Good luck. (laughs) Good luck. That's a good answer. (laughs) Good luck because it happens already. Like my friend one day told me, I'm waiting for the the houses, the the prices of the houses go down. Okay. Already happened. How many houses did you buy? None. So you're waiting again. So you don't know what's going to happen or if it's going to happen. So if you are, you can afford a house right now instead paying rent, Buy your own house. That's the first step because eventually it's going to give you leverage to continue. Mm. And you, as, as she said, it's addicting. When you have another one, say, oh, I want another one and another one and another one. And then eventually you, you will feel the satisfaction that, that you're not just working for some goal, 
but also you are helping other families to get the uh, a house where to mm -hmm. live. So that's 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 a good. I, I guess is is one of my advice that start paying rent. That's awesome. So yeah. that is very good advice, especially for people in this market waiting for the pricing to change. If you can afford it, just buy your first house, start paying down your mortgage. Mm -hmm. I like that because we hear it all the time. I'm sure you hear it all the time all too, the Veronica, time. from your uh, potential clients or friends and family who, mm -hmm. um, you know, touch and base with, oh, yeah, we're just going to wait for, you know, the market to cool down. We're going to wait for prices to go down. But it, like you said, it's going to, you're going to be play, playing a waiting game. You're, you're never going to take the action that you're saying you're going to take because you're going to be sitting back waiting the whole time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's always a it's always a risky move when, as I mentioned, when I came to to this country the first time, and then after two years, I told my my mom, uh, she asked me, "What is your resolution for this year?" Say, "I'm gonna buy a house." You're crazy. I know people that have been working for years and years and they don't have a house. I'm gonna buy my house, and then by September, October, I was buying our first house in in Illinois, and wow. then we saw that when we moved to California, and when we moved to California. We were here in December looking for a house, knocking doors, trying to get uh, a loan. And it was hard because we just moved to California. We right. didn't have two years of job. But everybody says no, but one door opens and uh, she can jump on it. And we bought our, our house here in California. We didn't go to rent because uh, my, my mother-in-law and my father-in-law, were, we were living with them for mm -hmm. two or three months. They were asking us, hey, you look for us a place to rent. Uh, I don't like to rent. Uh, and then it, it was challenging, but not impossible. So after few, two months living here in California, we bought our first house in, in February, late February. We were closing the first house. We still have in that house. And that house, we refinanced it. They give us for another properties. So as I mentioned before, it's leverage. leverage. I just want to commend you guys because not only that, where coming to California and not having the two-year job history. And most people would say, nope, there, there's no way. You know, we're going to have to wait. We're going to go rent, do this, that, and the other. You guys are out there knocking doors, figuring out a way to make it work. Not only there, but, you know, with these first four properties, when everything was going the complete wrong way, you could have said in escrow, right? Like, we're screwed. With, this isn't going to work. We don't have the money. But you guys found a way to make it work. I think that is just amazing. And I want to give you guys just huge props because yeah. everybody out there listening, people out there, I mean, I would even like to tell myself I would, I would do the same thing, but I know sometimes it, it, it's a lot easier to tell yourself that than to go out there and do it. And you guys have gone out there and done it. And I think that is just freaking badass. Thank you. Thank well, you. Veronica, what would be your word of advice if you were running the podcast? The first thing I would say is what is that you want to do and talk to people who are like you or follow people, stalk people who are like you. <laughs> Why? Because if you want to be somebody, you want to see what actions they take, what is it that they're not doing and learn from them, but also see what's happening around mm -hmm. that world that possibly can help you out. And you, I've, I've known you guys through media for a very long time, but this is only the second time. I've actually met you guys. Right. But I know a whole bunch of things that you've done. And like, for example, Jason. Jason, I I know it's the role model to follow for many, many of us. I don't see him very often. I maybe think I've seen him this year maybe once. But 
follow people who are your role models, see what's working for them and put it to action. If you don't take action, like Jason said, what's going to happen? Or like my husband said, it's only money. You can always go out and make more, especially with the worth, with the work ethic that you guys have. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, and if you're not taking the risk now, then you're going to be standing here, you know, 40, 50 years from now and be like, why didn't I looking back and regretting why, what if, what, what could have been right. And I know you guys, when that time comes for retirement and you guys are enjoying life, you guys aren't going to be looking, looking back and and thinking that that is the goal. Yeah. (laughs) What an awesome podcast to have as our 50th episode. I think Kate and I are going to be resigning the podcast and handing it over to you guys and you guys (laughs) take over. I know you said you didn't want to, you know, you're nervous about being on, on Mike, but you guys have a lot to teach a lot of people, including us. Mm -hmm. We could learn a lot from you guys. No, but remember what I said at the beginning, I copied your model. I took off after you guys bought those properties and I spoke with my husband. I told him, look at what these guys are doing. Look what they did. (laughs) And that's what, okay. So I heard a whole take action, take action. But after you guys took action, that's when I took action. <laughs> well, you you guys have a, a rocket jet tied to you because you guys are taking off. And uh, we're very impressed. And we, like Kate said, we commend you for your problem solving and work ethic. You guys have handled the hurdles that we've seen firsthand. And they're not easy. And we can always make excuses or we can make solutions. And mm-hmm. you guys have been a good role model. No, thank you. Likewise. So for our listeners out there who are listening or watching, Veronica, uh, where can they find you guys on social media? Where can they reach out to you if they have any questions? Facebook, Instagram, I- anything that you've got that uh, you could be reached at. Instagram, I do have a page, but I suck. I don't know how to use it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Facebook, it's Veronica Torres Luna, and you'll see it there. But honestly, if you have questions, because I'm always out in the street, um, call me. That is the best way. I rarely check social media. If I do have a message, my husband will tell me, hey, did you answer? <laughs> and um, call me. That's the best way to get a hold of me if I'm driving. Perfect. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, for me, it's uh, Enrique Perez. Yes, look, I just have Facebook. Yeah, I have uh, the other things, but uh, <laughs> same thing. I don't have to use them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and we, for any of the Spanish speaker uh, or, or Spanish speaking podcast listeners you might be somebody that they might want to enjoy talking to because Kate and i have pretty terrible spanglish and, oh uh, <laughs> yeah let's do it let's do it awesome well thank you guys so much again like scott said you guys were the perfect pick to come in here and for our 50th milestone episode we couldn't be more, I, I know i speak for myself and i'm sure scott too couldn't be more happy for you guys uh, excited and I just know that you've got the eight right now, but you guys are setting yourself up and on track to be freaking killers. And you already are. So thank you guys so much for coming on. And everybody out there, we hope you enjoyed this 50th episode of the Pursuit of Property podcast. And we will see you next week. <laughs>